Amen. All right, well, we're there in Luke chapter number two, and of course, we've been going uh, through a series this uh, Christmas season entitled The Nativity, and we've been doing a study of all of the uh, different characters of the Christmas story, and tonight we are finishing up this sermon series, and of course, when we started the very first week, uh, we started with a study of the character of Joseph, and we talked about Joseph as the most overlooked uh, character of the Christmas story. We talked about Mary as the most overemphasized character of the Christmas story. Uh, we talked about the shepherds, the delegation of the poor, the wise men, the delegation of the rich. This morning, we talked about the angels, the delegation of the heavenly, and tonight, we're going to finish uh, with looking at Jesus, the main character of the Christmas story. And of course, in every single one of these sermons, as we've been studying these different characters in the Christmas story, we've, all, we've been talking about Jesus the entire time. And though we've been studying Joseph and Mary and the shepherds and the wise men and the angels, we've really been studying about the Lord Jesus Christ uh, for several weeks here. Uh, we've been talking about the birth of Christ and what it means uh, to us. Tonight, what I'd like to do is, as quickly as possible, to just cover some uh, things that we didn't uh, talk about over the last several weeks, and what I want to focus in on is some of the symbolism of the birth of Christ uh, and the Christmas story. My goal is to get you out of here right at six, so I'm going to try to do this as quickly uh, as we can, and of course, the choir did a wonderful job uh, tonight. The orchestra sounded uh, beautiful as well, and the children did a good job this uh, morning as well. You're there in Luke chapter number two. I'd like you to look down at verse number seven, Luke chapter two and verse seven. The Bible says this, and she, and of course the she here is referring to Mary, brought forth her firstborn son. And then I want you to notice that there are several descriptions here that are brought up, and you're familiar with this, but they're brought up over and over through the Christmas story. It says that she brought forth her firstborn son, and I'd like you to note, note this, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ. The Lord. I'd like you to notice verse number 12. The Bible says this, And this shall be a sign. The angels here speaking to the shepherds. We preached about that this morning, and the choir sang about it tonight. But when the angels appear to the shepherds, and they announce the birth of Christ, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. They said, Let me tell you how to identify him. They said, Let me... Uh, give you a sign, verse 12, and this shall be a sign. A sign is defined as an object whose presence indicates the presence of something there. It identifies something. And the angels uh, looked at the shepherds and said, we want to help you identify uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. They said, this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe. And I want you to notice, again, it's brought up what we saw in verse 7, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. These are characteristics that are often talked about at the birth of Christ, that the, he was wrapped in swaddling clothes, that he was laid in a manger, uh, that there was no room for him in the inn. And even the angels told the shepherds that this is a sign. This is something we want you to be uh, looking for. This is something we want you to be aware of. And what I'd like to show you tonight is very quickly just how these different characteristics of the birth of Christ actually 
have some symbolism. They're, they're symbolic, and they are important, not just for the shepherds to physically identify uh, the Savior, but for us to identify these things in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'd like to give this to you as quickly as we can tonight. If you'd like to take notes, and I always encourage you to take notes, uh, then maybe you can do that on the back of your course of the week. There's a place for you to jot down some things. I'd like you to notice, first of all, the swaddling clothes. Luke chapter 2 and verse 7. The Bible says, And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes. It's brought up again in verse number 12. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. And if you're taking notes tonight, you'd like to maybe jot this down. I believe that the swaddling clothes are symbolic. They show to us the humanity of Christ. They show to us the humanity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you're there in Luke chapter 2. That's our text for tonight, but I'd like you to find the Old Testament book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 53. If you go back towards the end of the Old Testament, you've got those big books of the Bible, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. If you can find Isaiah 53, Isaiah 53 is a passage we've brought up several times over the last couple of weeks, and of course it's a messianic prophecy. It's a prophetic uh, Old Testament prophecy of a, a prophetic announcement of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's one of the most famous and most clear prophecies in the Old Testament of Christ. And what we see is that, of course, when we are studying the birth of Christ and, and the nativity and Christmas story, uh, the, the big point is that God was manifest in the flesh, that God became a man. We see the humanity of Christ. And I believe that this is illustrated in this idea that Mary had to wrap him in swaddling clothes. So the word swaddling uh, is defined as a traditional practice for wrapping a baby up gently in a light, breathable blanket to help them feel calm, secure, and sleepy. Of course, if you've ever had a newborn baby, you know uh, what this means. It's often something that's done to babies where they get wrapped up real nice and tight in a blanket. And of course, this helps them to stay warm, but it's more than just uh, helping them to stay warm. It allows the children, it causes them to be calm. Oftentimes, uh, when our children were young, the Lord had blessed us with six children, and when we had babies in the home, I remember my wife would often wrap them up tightly, and it would cause them to not only be calm, but it would even cause them to go to sleep. And there was this idea of being wrapped in swaddling clothes, being wrapped in this blanket that gave them security, that made them feel like they were being uh, held, even if they weren't, and, and our children often were held, but even if they were laying uh, not being held, it would cause them to feel as though they were being held. And the idea is this, that a baby needs this, right? A baby needs to be warm, needs to be cuddled, needs to be uh, made to feel calm and secure, secure enough to go to sleep and, and, and snug enough to feel like uh, they're being watched. The idea here is that God in the flesh, think about this, the creator of the universe would not only come to this earth as a human, but would come to this earth as a baby, willing to live and grow up and live the human life. We've learned about it in the book of Hebrews, that he was uh, tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. He went through every stage of human development, just like you and I have. He learned to walk, and he learned to talk, and, and, and he went through these different stages, and this idea that the creator of the universe would be wrapped in swaddling clothes highlights for us the humanity of Christ. And he came to this earth as a baby, as a human being, to pay for the sins of mankind. Isaiah 53, look at verse 1. 
Notice what the prophet says in Isaiah 53. He says, who hath believed our report? Isn't that always the question? Who hath believed? That's the most important question that will ever be answered. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Notice verse 2. For he shall, here's a prophecy of Christ, for he shall grow up. He came as a child. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 2, at the end, that he grew, that he uh, grew in knowledge, and he grew in stature, and he grew in wisdom. Here we're told that he shall grow up before him as, notice these words, a tender plant, like a tender baby, like a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. He is to grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form or comeliness, and uh, when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we shall desire in him. And we'll talk about that here in a minute. Keep your place there in Isaiah 53, if you would. Go back to Luke chapter number 2. Keep your place in Isaiah 53. We're going to come back to it. Go back to Luke chapter 2. I'd like you to notice another uh, symbolism we see in the Christmas story. Not only do we see the swaddling clothes, and I believe that symbolizes the humanity of Christ, the fact that Jesus came and he had to grow up as a tender plant, as a tender, helpless baby needing to be swaddled. The creator of the universe humbled himself to, and came to this earth. It highlights the humanity. But then I'd like you to notice, secondly, not only do we see that he was wrapped in swaddling clothes, but look at verse 7 again. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes. And then the Bible says this, and laid him in a manger. And laid him in a manger. This is again highlighted in the story. Look down at verse number 12. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. Notice what the angel said to the shepherds, lying in a manger. Look at verse 16, same chapter, Luke 2 and verse 16. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe. Notice it's highlighted again, lying in a manger. I always think it's interesting in the Bible when things are put besides each other. And oftentimes when they're put in this divine order in Scripture, they're meant to be compared and they're meant to be contrasted. And it's interesting to me that here we have one statement that is very normal and one statement that is very abnormal. One statement that we would look and say, of course, this is part of human, uh, uh, of human experience. And then another statement that says, this is not something that most humans have probably experienced. The Bible tells us that Jesus was laid in a manger. Now, the reason for that is because there was no room for them in the inn. We'll talk about that here in a minute. But I want you to understand that a manger is referring to a feeding trough. It is referring to a piece of equipment that would be used to uh, put food for animals. It's the kind of thing that you would find in a stall, a place where an animal would be kept and food would be put in that trough for uh, that animal. The Bible tells us here that Jesus was laid in a manger. And what's interesting to me, as you look at the passage, we're told in, vo in both verse number 7 and verse number 12 that he was Wrapped in swaddling clothes. Look at Luke 2, 7. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes. And that is very normal. That is, not, that is something that, that probably every maybe human being, uh, baby born that has been cared for by a mother has experienced. Every baby has probably been at some point wrapped in swaddling clothes. Very normal. But here's what's not normal, to be laid in a manger. Most people do not have a child and lay them in a manger. 
Most people do not have a child and put them to, to, to take a nap in a feeding trough. They'll have a nice crib. They'll have a nice area for the child to be able to uh, sleep in. But the Bible here tells us that Jesus was laid in a manger. He was found by the shepherds uh, lying in a manger. The shepherds were told that you'll identify. They'll say, how, do, how will we know when we have found the baby Jesus? They'll say, that'll be easy. Look for a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. The shepherds are like, well, probably a lot of babies are wrapped in swaddling clothes. Yeah, but this one will be lying in a manger. This one will be lying in a feeding trough. This one will be in a barn, in a stall, being birthed next to animals, being laid to sleep in a manger. You have your place there in Luke, and you have your place in Isaiah. I'd like you to keep both those places, but if you would not mind, go with me to the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 2. You're there in Luke. If you go John, Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Keep your place in Philippians if you would. We're going to come back and forth just real quickly between Isaiah 53 and Philippians 2. And I just want you to be able to see these verses quickly. The swaddling clothes is a very normal human experience. I believe it highlights the humanity of Christ. Laid in a manger is not so much of a normal human experience, and I believe that this highlights the humility of Christ. That Christ did not, he, when he came, he was not afforded even the normal crib or the normal nursery, the normal location of birth to be born like a, uh, just a normal human being. But the Bible tells us that he came not only in his humanity in, in a very normal way, but he came in humility. He was lying in a manger. No crib. No nursery. No toys for this baby. The Bible tells us that Jesus came in humility. Philippians 2, in verse 5, notice these verses. The Bible says this, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. That's humility. Jesus never powered up. He never showed up somewhere and said, Do you know who I am? The Bible says that he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant, that's humility, and was made in the likeness of men, that's humanity, and being found in fashion as a man, that's humanity, he humbled himself, that's humility, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. I want you to notice that at the birth of Christ, we not only see the symbolism of his humanity, the swaddling clothes, but we see the symbolism of his humility. It was laid in a manger. I'd like you to notice thirdly tonight, if you keep your place there in Philippians 2, we're going to come back to it. And I hope you kept your place in Isaiah 53 as well because we're going to go there in a minute. But if you can make your way back to Luke chapter 2 and look at verse number 7, we saw the symbolism for the humanity of Christ and we saw the symbolism for the humility of Christ. But I'd like you to notice thirdly tonight the symbolism for the mortality of Christ. Notice what the Bible says here in verse 7. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, very normal, and laid him in a manger, very abnormal. Why would Jesus have to be laid in a feeding trough? Why would he have to be born? We don't know exactly where, maybe a, some sort of a stall or barn, some sort of a cave where animals were kept. But we know that he was laid in a manger. And the Bible answers the question for us. It tells us, because there was no room for them in the end. 
Now, the in there and the word that is translated in there in our King James Bible, the underlying Greek word is also translated elsewhere as guest chamber. The idea is that Mary and Joseph had planned to stay somewhere. There was an inn. There was a guest chamber. If you remember, in the Old Testament, you had a prophet's chamber and these locations and houses that were kept open for people as they traveled. And uh, uh, we know that Joseph had family there in Bethlehem, and maybe he had already had plans to stay in a certain in a certain location. But when they got there, and we understand, of course, uh, Luke chapter 2 tells us that all the world was to be taxed, and the uh, Caesar Augustus caused the entire empire to be taxed, and many people were traveling at this time. When they got there, the Bible seems to indicate that when they got there, there was no rooms left. In fact, there was no room for them in the inn, which is why they had to stay somewhere where animals were staying, she gave birth to Jesus somewhere where a feeding trough would be. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. And here, just right, right at the beginning, in right at the beginning of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, we see symbolism for something that will follow him his entire life. The fact that he was rejected. There was no room for him in the end. There was room for others, but not for him. At the time of his birth, the Bible tells us there was no room for them in the inn. Go back to Isaiah 53, if you would, and look at verse number 3. Isaiah 53 and verse number 3, I'd like you to see this. This is a theme of the life of Christ, that he was rejected. John tells us he came unto his own, and his own received him not. He was rejected. His whole life, he was rejected. Now, he hasn't been rejected by all, and I hope that if you're here tonight, he has not been rejected by you. But he has been rejected by most. The Bible says that the broad way has rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice what the prophet said of this coming Messiah. Isaiah 53 and verse 3, we're told this, He is despised and rejected of men. That's why there was no room for him in the end. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Notice the rejection. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. The word esteem means to think highly, to admire, to respect. And the Bible says, we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. And what we see here, with no room in the inn, there was this shadow and foreshadow of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ that not only do we see His humanity, not only do we see His humility, but we see in His rejection His mortality because ultimately for this Savior born on this day, laid in a manger, there'll be the ultimate rejection when they lead Him to the cross. And we see the fact that Jesus died. He came to this earth to die for our sins. Go back to Philippians 2 if you would. Keep your place there in in Isaiah 53, Philippians 2, we read the verse, but I want you to see it again, verse 8, Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. 
at his birth, we see these, this symbol that there was no room for them in the end. There was no room for him in the end. And it just highlights for us. It shows us a theme that will follow Christ through his life that he was rejected. And eventually he was rejected to the point of death. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So we see his humanity. We see his humility. We see his mortality. By the way, let me say this. I'd like you to find 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If, if you can find First and Second Corinthians, if you go backwards from Philippians, you have Ephesians, Galatians, then 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'd like you to look at verse number 15. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 15, the Bible says this. We looked at the fact that Jesus was despised and rejected. He was acquainted with grief. He was despised. He bore our griefs, carried our sorrows, was wounded for our transgressions. The Bible is clear about the fact that Jesus died for our sins. But 2 Corinthians 5.15 says this to you and I uh, who are believers, who have not rejected Him, who have received the message of salvation. The Bible says this, 2 Corinthians 5.15, And that He died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto Him which died for them and rose again. The Bible says if Jesus died for us, we should live for Him. Our life is not our own. Please don't use the, 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 Christ, the season Christmas when Jesus came to be, to, to, to be born to this earth, as we sang earlier, born to die for our sins, born to die upon Calvary. Please don't use this uh, holiday season as an excuse for you to live for yourself. Don't go get drunk in the name of the birth of Christ, please. Don't go get high in the name of uh, the birth of Christ, please. Don't go uh, be part of some sinful uh, uh, lifestyle or sinful party or sinful uh, sort of gathering uh, in in the celebration of the birth of Christ. You know, the Bible says that He died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. He died for us and we should be willing to die to self and live for Him. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. So we see the humanity of Christ, the humility of Christ, the mortality of Christ. Keep your place right there in 2 Corinthians. We're going to come right back to it. Go, go back to Luke, if you would. I'd like you to notice lastly, I've got to be done. We see the divinity of Christ. We saw that he was wrapped in swaddling clothes, very normal. And that he was laid in a manger, which is very abnormal. And it's a negative abnormal because there was no room for them in the end. But then we also see something that is also equally abnormal, and I would say maybe even more abnormal, but it's positive, a positive thing. That the birth of Christ was announced by angels. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 8, I preached about the angels this morning, and I won't take too much time on it tonight, but I do want you to just see it. Luke 2 and verse 8, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping, their watch, uh, keeping watch over their flock by night. Verse 9, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swallowing clothes, lying in a manger. Verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, 
Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. And let me tell you something. I've seen a lot of baby announcements uh, over the years, and I've seen a lot of precious pictures and precious cards made to announce the birth of, of precious uh, little babies. But uh, there is no greater birth announcement than the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You're just not going to get this on Shutterstock. You're just not going to get this on Vistaprint. The Bible tells us that God sent the angel of the Lord to announce, and the angel uh, uh, was, 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 was accompanied with a multitude of heavenly hosts who were praising God and announcing the birth of Christ. And in this multitude of heavenly hosts, not only do we see the humanity and the humility and the mortality, but we see the divinity of Christ. That this was not a mere baby. This was not a normal mortal, but this was God in the flesh. That this baby that was born, that changes everything, had both humanity and divinity, had humility and mortality. He was everything that we would need. I'd like you to find 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You're there in 2 Corinthians, you should be able to find it quickly. And while you turn there, I'd like to just read for you the Christmas story. I've made it a habit over the years on Christmas services to read the Christmas story. I think it's important for us to do it. I'd like for you to read it to you in its entirety. You find 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I'll read this for you, and we'll finish up tonight. 2 Timothy chapter 2, excuse me, you find 2 Corinthians 5. Luke chapter 2 and verse 1, the Bible says this, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, to see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. 
And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angels before he was conceived in the womb. In 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 19, we find what I think is the greatest verse for the Christmas story. It's not a Christmas passage. It's not a Christmas verse. But I like to read it every Christmas season because it really is a story of salvation. The humanity of Christ, the humility of Christ, the mortality of Christ, and the divinity of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.19, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. I hope you'll remember that this Christmas season. I hope you'll make that the theme of your Christmas celebration. What are we celebrating on Christmas Day? That God was in Christ, reconciling you and me unto himself. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We thank you for this Christmas season. Thank you for this Christmas story. We know that it's more than just a story. It's the gospel of our salvation. Lord, I pray you'd help us to be mindful of the humanity and the humility, the mortality, and the divinity of Christ that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. Lord, help us to make sure that we realize that when he died for us, we should live for him. Lord, I pray that you would help us to live our lives every day to honor the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I ask if there's anybody here tonight that's not saved, they would put their trust in Christ, realizing that salvation is not something they earn by their good works or the things they do, but it's solely based on the fact that Jesus came to die on the cross for our sins. He paid for our sins on the cross. He resurrected three days later. This is the gospel, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to have Brother RJ come up and lead us in a final song as we prepare for baptism tonight. We do have a baptism, and we'll do that uh, quickly tonight uh, as Brother RJ leads us in the last song.